1: inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org.
2: Welcome to Heritage Radio Network on tour. I'm Lisa Held. Today we're broadcasting live from the Young Farmers Conference at Stonebarns. We want to thank the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts and the Stonebarn Center for Food and Agriculture for making our coverage possible. So now I'm here with Ariana Taylor Stanley, the Northeast Regional Organizer for the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition, who also co-owns and operates Here We Are Farm in Trumansburg, New York. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I love the name, Here We Are Farm. It's the cutest name. (laughs) Thanks. Is that, tell me about it. Um, Tell me about the farm and how did you come up with that name?
3: Um, Sure. Yeah, we're a pretty small scale uh, vegetable farm outside Ithaca, New York. Um, We sell through a 50-person CSA and to a couple of local farmers markets. Um, And the name just came about... um, We had both my farming partner and I, who started the business together, worked on a crew together at a different farm, and we spent half a season brainstorming. And um, one of our crew members came up with the name. And it's fun because people are looking for us in the farmer's market. And (laughs) here Here we are. (laughs) are.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Um, How did you personally get into farming?
3: Um, I came through to farming... Um, Through the environmental movement, I was really involved um, in climate activism about mm, 10, 15 years ago and um, began to see that our food system is responsible for so much of the environmental problems that the climate movement is, is working on. And so I thought, I'll just go kind of work on developing an understanding of how food is grown, go work on a farm for a season, then I'll go back into organizing and activism um, but I kind of got stuck, and I decided I—I I liked farming, and I like being able to be part of a solution. It was—it was exciting and invigorating to organize against, you know, coal-fired power plants and um, carbon pollution. But when we're in the sustainable agriculture movement, we get to organize for something, and uh, and um, it feels good and empowering, and impactful to be part of the solution.
2: Right. Yeah. That can it can be draining when you're constantly. Talking about what's wrong, right? Totally. And then to kind of reframe it um,
3: can be yeah. empowering. Yeah, I love yeah. to work on solutions. Amazing. So in
2: terms of policy solutions, so you're presenting a session at the conference called Advocacy for Young Farmers. Um, my first question is: you know, farmers are, are really busy farming, right? And there's lots of organizations and activists like you know, like you were before, who are working on policy. How important is it for farmers themselves to really engage in advocacy and get off the farm um, and work on policy?
3: It's so important. Yeah, I think, you know, there. you're right. There are a lot of people who are paid, and that means that they're probably representing interests with money to advocate um, for policies that represent... the the sort of status quo in terms Mm -hmm. of our food system. Um, But if we want to have change that can really both, like... be envirom- an environmental benefit change that moves towards agriculture that's regenerative and sustainable, that is also helping dismantle existing systems of oppression that exist in our food system. The people who are directly impacted by those systems and who are indirectly involved in creating the alternatives need to be at the table making those policy solutions. And honestly, the voices of constituents are much more powerful. Um, I So I... Live in rural central New York, Uh and um, my member of Congress, uh, and I don't see eye to eye on everything, (laughs) on a lot of things, um, but I, when last year when the Farm Bill. Uh, was being written, the last farm bill passed in 2018, Um, the House version of that farm bill eliminated a lot of programs that I was personally looking forward to using. And Mm. one example of that was the organic cost share program, which actually helps farmers pay for their organic certification. That's something we're doing this winter, and I'm really looking forward to being able to be reimbursed for some of those costs. And I went to a town hall and said to my member of Congress, did you know that the farm bill that you just voted for or that you're about to get the chance to vote for Eliminates a program that I, as your constituent, am planning to use, and he said, "No, I didn't know that." And I'm going to look into it. He had no it. idea. And he said, "This is a real issue," and and he actually wrote a letter about the organic cost share program to ask that they put that funding back in the farm bill, and it did end up in the final farm bill. And so it's it's different for you know you to be eye to eye with your member of Congress. I'm a farmer. I'm living in your district. Um, you know, you're waiting for my vote. Um, this is something that matters to me. That spoke to him just as much as you know a paid lobbyist coming from a big corporation, um, and maybe maybe even more.
2: Right. Absolutely. The really having a person there to totally yeah the lived yeah. experience. Um, and you're on the grassroots team for the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition. So you're are you going out and, and actually trying to get other farmers engaged in the process? And are they? Are young farmers excited to be engaged in policy?
3: How, how difficult is that? Yeah, so the way that NSAC works, that's the acronym for National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition. We're a coalition. So we have members around the country, including Stone Barns is one of our members, the National Young Farmer Coalition that's here, um, other members in, in the Northeast region that I work directly with. I saw um, Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners um, association was represented here too. Um, so all those members, they work directly with farmers on the ground. Okay. At the NSEC office, we, we have some relationships with farmers, and we do bring them in for events and fly-ins, but we mostly work with our farmer-facing organizations who want to have a voice in policy, um, and they set our priorities. We, uh, we're responsive to what, what things th- their farmer members want to work on, and then we help them engage. So when... Um, so here we are in in Terrytown. Um, uh, Nita Lowy, who represents, is that the congresswoman from this district, sits on the appropriations committee. So we just went through that process, and I got to talk to Jess, who's sitting here in this room, um, <laughs> to say, hey, like, can you connect with that office um, to to get her to 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 make sure that the final. Um, a spending bill for the government yeah. doesn't leave out important programs that that one half of the versions going into the Senate version um, does leave out. So she she was involved. She wrote letters to um, that office. She got to build that relationship, and then she can also work with her farmers on the ground um, to to bring in that support. So yeah. So we organize with organizations. We call them the grass tops, the people that organize the grassroots throughout the region, and then I also have the special superpower of also farming but that's my full-time job this is my side hustle so I also have lots of relationships with farmers in my community and um, other farmers that I've built through my network as an organizer throughout New York and New England so in that way I also get direct feedback on like a particular problem people are encountering when they go to sign up for a conservation program Um, and we we use both, so we work with organizations and farmers. And I have to say, yes, there's definitely excitement. People are feeling the need to engage in the political process in new ways all the time. And um, at least where I'm at, um, people, people are interested in engaging, they care, they just want the information and like to know, okay, like this is what's happening. Now is the time to make a phone call.
2: Right, well, and um, especially farmers, they're so busy. So it's like you're providing the service, That this is the issue, and here's who you, who you can call, right? They kind of yeah. need that help maybe. Um, yeah, they can't exactly. spend all day researching an issue if something needs to be planted or harvested. Sadly, no. Right. Um, so in terms of policy at the federal level right now, um, what are some of the biggest issues that, that you're working on that affect young farmers?
3: Well, there's a lot. Um, and one one issue that I hear about and talk about whenever I connect with farmers, young and otherwise, um, is climate change, obviously. And that's an issue that's slow going from the federal policy perspective, um, but it's something we are starting to focus more and more energy on. And one thing that we're actually doing here today, actually right now, I have a booth in the next room over um, where people can sign on to our farmer climate letter, so um, our member organizations and, and National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition are collecting thousands of signatures of farmers who agree that climate change is a problem, it's a threat to agriculture as we know it, and that sustainable regenerative agriculture can and should be part of the solution and that farmers are on the front lines and and deserve a voice. So that's one thing that we're working on that people can plug into, and that will help inform the policy um, that, that ends up happening at the federal level on climate. And, you know, interestingly, though we don't yet have a comprehensive piece of federal legislation addressing climate change, which is long overdue, um, there are actually federal programs that are right now paying farmers to sequester carbon in the soil and to farm in ways that help address the climate crisis. Um, And some of those programs are about to open for sign up. So this winter feels like a really critical time, given that the clock is ticking on climate, for beginning farmers to know that they can get funding. I actually, on my farm, just signed up um, last season. So I'm gonna get to implement it this season for something called the Conservation Stewardship Program. Mm -hmm. And that program is actually paying me to Plant cover crops. And cover crops are, are just a like real physical way to plant get extra green stuff growing that's gonna capture carbon out of the air and put it in the soil. That is carbon sequestration at its most basic, lowest tech but kind of most advanced level. The conservation stewardship program also allows farmers to be paid for reducing their tillage. Tillage, um, anytime you disturb the soil, it releases carbon and other greenhouse gases into the air. It pays farmers to plant perennial crops. So it's a huge climate crisis mitigation tool that, you know, you won't see climate change anywhere in the authorizing legislation for that program. but, But it does talk about soil health and even weather volatility, which is pretty good code word. Um, so if we can help farmers translate that in their heads that, oh, when I, when we're talking about soil health, that's a program that's actually going to pay me to help address climate change on my farm, to mitigate it, to both help reduce my emissions and to make my farm more um, resilient to weather volatility as it happens to droughting, uh, drought and flooding, um, that farmers can use this program that already exists and we just need people to sign up. And there's also um, a comment period open right now where people can weigh in on some changes that happened from the last farm bill.
2: Right, and programs like that, like the Conservation Stewardship Program (CSP), and there's there's Equip, right? Mm-hmm. There's um, the Organic Cost Share. You mentioned you've you've actually so you've applied for the Organic Cost Share. You've applied for CSP. Um, one thing I've heard from farmers is it can be. It's difficult to go through the actual application process. Was it hard? How much like time goes into that? And
3: you know, is it worth it at the end? Good question. Yeah, definitely worth it. Um, yeah, we, we've also used the environmental quality incentives program, like you mentioned, to build a high tunnel. Um, which reimbursed all of our costs um, for a tunnel that cost about $10,000. So that's a huge savings for our farm. And it's going to extend our season earlier in the spring and later in the fall so that we can provide more local food um, and also help our business be more economically resilient. Right. Um, And same for the Conservation Stewardship Program. It is, for my farm, you know, it's kind of weird to talk numbers, but for my farm, it's going to pay us about four, almost $4,000 a year for five years to do those practices, which makes it really worth your time to sign up. And something to know for farmers who are considering doing that is um, for the Conservation Stewardship Program, there's actually a minimum amount. So you're going to – I should have written the number down, but the, there's <laughs> there's a minimum amount, over $1,000, just for signing up. They'll make it worth your while. So even if you have a very wow. small acreage farm – these programs are still gonna be worth your while. And the more conservation you're doing going in, the better your farm is already at conservation, actually the better you will be rewarded. There's a multiplying effect. However many practices you're already doing, that count those up and they multiply that by your acreage and your practices to get your payment. So the better you are at conservation, it actually rewards you for doing that. So they're very worth it for smaller, even small scale, sustainable farms. And these programs also prioritize beginning farmers and farmers who have been historically excluded from these programs. Um, Farmers of color, women farmers, veteran farmers. Um, So know that going in, that these programs, that USDA wants us in the door. They want to serve historically underserved groups. And so there are set asides. And for Equip, there's also a, a newly a new provision that's that's helping this this get get up and running. There's actually an advanced payment option um, where you don't have to. Front. When I when I signed up for this program, I had to cash out that $10,000 right. to build my green house and then it was a reimbursement. Reimbursed. But there's a new advance payment pro option where you can get half of that money up front. Wow. And then you have to bring the other half and then you get it all reimbursed. But that's really helpful. And you can use that. You can get that half up front and take that to a bank and get a loan for the rest if mm. you need to. So it helps farmers who are the, in the government's word, lower resource or facing other barriers to accessing that capital, because as we know, there are a lot of systemic barriers that keep um, people out of agriculture, and those apply especially to people facing racism, classism, sexism. So where we can use programs that, that account for that, that will help level the playing field for farmers of color, women farmers, and other farmers that have been excluded.
2: Yeah. I also, I think it's so great when you when you throw out the real numbers, because Those things are, it's important to hear that. Like, oh, you got $10,000 to build the soup house. Like, that makes it real and tangible for a farmer that is maybe thinking, is it worth it to go through all this paperwork and,
3: right. Right, yeah. Yeah. And for me, that also paid for the crew that built it. I didn't have to spend a month or, you know, put my crew on the job. I actually hired in some neighbors to help me build that tunnel. So it, it was super worth it for me.
2: Yeah, how do you suggest... Um, farmers figure out which of these programs might work for their farm like do do you just like go on the USDA website and sort (laughs) through things or does NSAC have resources that farmers can access we
3: do yeah Yeah. so NSAC does have we call our grassroots guide um, to federal food and farm programs which is on our website which is sustainableagriculture.net um, and that is a great resource for folks trying to kind of sort through their options. But really, the way to sign up for these programs is very old school. You talk to your agent uh, at the Natural Resource Conservation Service or NRCS. So you really, you got to get to know that person. Right. It's very old school. There's no way to sign up online. You, they might have the forms online, but you can't. It, you can't really even, like, you, the closest to signing up online you're going to do is to, like, email a PDF to someone. There's no online sign up, not yet. So what you're going to do is you're going to get to know your agent at NRCS. They're going to come out to your farm. They're going to help identify things that you might be able to change on your farm to improve your conservation practices and what programs might be able to fund that work. Um, And then they're going to work with you to get the funding to do that.
2: Right. Uh, so you got to go a little old school. It's not, <laughs> <The> <laughs> yeah, federal it's, government it's, isn't quite, you know, digitized and all that.
3: <laughs> not yet. And it's a barrier, it, yeah. you know, that puts a lot of discretion in the hands of that agent. And if that agent carries a personal bias, that will apply to you. So that's something real to know going in. But right. there's lots of things that farmers can do. Um, you are entitled to a receipt for service. So if you go in and you ask to use a program and they say no, you can get documentation of that. Um but yeah, you you are building a good relationship with your NRCs officer agent is a uh, a really important prerequisite to using any of these programs. Perfect. So,
2: in terms of um, state and local advocacy, so we've been talking about federal programs and. We're in a time right now where, especially on things like environmental conservation and climate change, the federal government is not necessarily um, out ahead on these issues. So are you um, also engaging with farmers to affect policy at the state level? And is that like an avenue for making change that maybe can't be affected at the federal level?
3: Yeah. So National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition only works on federal policy directly, but you are correct that especially in terms of climate policy the change is happening at the local and the state level and often that those policies that take that originally are piloted at the state level are then copied at the federal level and magnified. If they're working at the state level, that can be like an incubator, and then we can take those and and, um, and turn them into federal policy. So we keep an eye on what's happening at the state level. And of course, most of our members spend a lot more time working on state policy than they do federal policy. So whenever we get folks in the room together to talk about federal policy, there are side conversations going on about how we can, you know, as a region, connect on some sort of like Regional climate policy? How can we compare what different states are doing to make sure we get the best um, outcomes across the region? And that's really helpful to have these state policy whizzes in the room <laughs> as we're talking about how to do things on the federal level because they apply that knowledge um, and turn it into the federal policy advocacy work that we work on directly.
2: Right. How's New York State doing? Like, do, are there, I feel like that there was some talk about soil health legislation in New York, or is New York a little bit ahead maybe in terms of state legislation for
3: farmers and climate change? New York does have some um, a, a new climate policy that was recently passed. I don't work directly on right. state policy, so I don't want to speak out of turn or um, give you misinformation about yeah. New York policy, but I know um, Caitlin Arnold from National Young Farmer Coalition is speaking next, and yes. they were very active in organizing around and supporting and, um, and working on the New York legislation that passed. So she might have more information about what's happening at the state level. My focus is more, more federal. But it is really exciting to have that as a priority. And there is some state-level funding for farmers to do um, climate mitigation work on their farms as well. So that's a great resource.
2: Great. Well, thank you, Ariana. Um We're going to wrap up, but um, I feel like you gave so much information that farmers could <laughs> use really, really urgently. Like, you know, programs that exist right now that, you know, policies, there are policies you need to work on and advocate for. But then it's great to know that there are so many programs that you're actually using and that farmers can access now.
3: Yeah, now is a great time. It's to never too early to go into your NRCS office and ask them and ask them to come to your farm because once you're in the system, there's certain things you need to do, um, like getting getting like a farm number and things like that before you can apply. So it's never too early to walk in that door. Winter's a great time to do it. Mm. Get to know your agent and um, begin to ask about the programs you might sign up for this next spring. And for folks who are interested in signing onto our farmer climate letter, you can do that at our short link is bit.lybit.ly slash farmer climate letter. Um, so if you're farming, please sign. If you're not a farmer, there will be other ways to plug into this work. Um, we're hoping that this letter will showcase how many farmers are, um, are especially committed to this work and especially concerned about the climate crisis. So if you are farming, um, we'd love your support. Thank you. Thanks so much.
2: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network on tour. Thanks again to the Julia Child Foundation for Gastronomy and the Culinary Arts for making our on-tour coverage possible and to Stonebarn Center for Food and Agriculture for having us at the Young Farmers Conference. I'm Lisa Held. Stay tuned for more.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org.